Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Rob Beret, who is an entertaining keynote speaker, master of ceremonies, virtual presenter, game show host, event DJ, and I think it's fair to say the life of the party. So Rob, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Well, thank you so much. I am joining you from Salt Lake City, Utah, just so our listeners and viewers know exactly where I'm coming from in the world. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. And I know as well from looking at your your bio, your videos, that no matter what kind of event or show you're putting on, you always want it to be an experience. So I really wanted to start the conversation today around you know, why is it so important that you put on an experience for an audience and not just a presentation? Yeah. So when it comes to speaking, we want people to be engaged in multiple ways, either visually with their with their ears, they can hear the music, they can hear the sounds, but I also want to engage them physically, get them up out of their seats, or even engaging their minds in a different way. So that's why I call it an experience. It's not just being speaking from the stage and speaking at an audience. I wanted a, a two-way conversation. I want them to feel like they're a part of the show as well. Because when we speak, sometimes we maybe make it about ourselves or we, we're really into what we are doing. I want my audience to also feel like they're part of the show. So I do different engagement activities by polling and giving people the opportunity to even choose which direction we go. And I also like to put in a little bit of the gamification aspect to it to give some people some entertainment aspects, but also a challenge to get them to be involved through gamification. Excellent. And I guess, you know, as well as it, them, them, them leaving the event and thinking that was a great event. Is there a, a, a kind of a secret um, learning theory behind that about how, how people retain information? Is that really why you're doing it? I do it, one, to retain information, mm-hmm. two, to let them be a part of the experience and so that they remember some tangible stories, some tangible takeaways. Yeah. But we have so much competing things out there right now as audience members they have these phones and so they can easily disengage Mm -hmm. go to their phones go to their laptops go to their emails and there's so many things that are competing for our audience's attention and so within that first 15 20 seconds i gotta hook them and then i'm also going to do some activities these are not gimmicks but they're Mm -hmm. also ways to actually drive home a point And so I do different things throughout the presentation. Also, I think one of the most important things is we want to make our meeting planners look good. And the people that hire us, we want them to look like the heroes that they hired us. And we want them to have an amazing event and then bring their attendees back for the next year or for the next event. So that's also important for me is to be able to meet the goals or reach the goals of those who hire me. Excellent. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I guess I really want to know more about your story as well when it comes to speaking and presenting. So let's go right back to the very beginning. Were you, were you always, you know, life and soul of the party? Were you always in the middle of the center stage or were you more of a shy kid? Where did you begin? 
Yeah, I was not a shy kid. Not. Uh, in second grade, I went to my I went to a production at mm-hmm. a local theater downtown. It's one of the biggest theaters we have here in Salt Lake City. And I was watching Cinderella, and there were two young boys holding the train of the queen or whoever the princess was mm-hmm. at that time in the show. And I nudged my friend, and I said to him, those kids are so lucky to be on that stage. And he was yeah. like, Okay, whatever. But I was mesmerized by that opportunity. And the crazy thing is, one year later, I I was actually performing on that stage as a child in third grade. Mm -hmm. And so I see stages, and I want to be a part of it. So no matter what the stage is, no matter what the audience is, I'm a sucker for it. And so I've been performing all my life. I've done theater. I've done improv. I've done some TV. I've done radio. And so I do a lot of things that are in front of audiences. And so, yes, I've never been shy. And Good. it is true. I live by the mantra, which is be the first person on the dance floor. Mm. And so I always am out on a dance floor. I'm always trying to get the party started as well. Great. And, and I guess for those people listening to the podcast, you can't see this, but Rob's got a disco ball just, just behind his head as well. And for those of you watching the video, absolutely. So you've almost got a dance floor there uh, in your virtual studio. Yes. Great. Exactly. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. So I guess um, a great starting point for you, a lot of the listeners, or some of the listeners will resonate with that, but some of the listeners will be thinking, well, you know, I was shy as a kid and it's harder for me. I mean, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that's maybe introverted or shy or quiet or feeling a bit anxious about being in front of an audience? What advice would you give to them as an extrovert? Well, the question is, is do they want to be in front of an audience? So if we're speaking to speakers who are a little bit more introverted and a little different, they focus their energy in different ways. I get my energy from the audience, Mm. but if they're a little bit more introverted, I think the most important thing for any speaker, somebody that is maybe looking at a stage and it seems like a daunting task is to be prepared and also recognize that your audience wants you to succeed. So as soon as you step out onto that stage, they want you to give them a powerful message or to come out and just nail it. So I think being prepared and knowing that your audience wants you to succeed as well. Now, here's the thing is, the most important thing is being your authentic self. And people hear that all the time, authenticity, whatever it may be. But if you have to be another version of yourself, great. But when you step out there, you also want to connect with that audience. And there have been times where I've looked at an audience and, I, um, and I'm a little intimidated as mm-hmm. well. And sometimes I, I stare over their heads. But yeah. I have to remember I need to keep looking in their eyes because the audience knows when you connect with them. So find different ways to connect with your audience, either through your message, through eye contact, through activities. But these are the ways to make sure that you are successful on stage. That's a really important part about being authentic because it's almost like um, we, we try and wait until we're the perfect version of ourselves, or we've got the perfectly polished presentation before we deliver it. And um, but it's actually okay to make mistakes. It's okay to say um a few times, and actually the audience will probably resonate more with you if you're making a few mistakes on stage. So that's a really good point. Yeah. And um, so actually, I think it's quite quite a really. Um, topical question right now is is the the global pandemic 2020 pretty much shut down the in-person speaking arena i'm assuming that you well let me ask the question did you have to have a massive transition or were you already doing virtual presentations at this point i had a massive transition 
so what you're seeing right now is my virtual studio. And before, I didn't have anything like this. I had mm. done maybe a webinar or two mm -hmm. in front of a desktop computer. But what was important for me is to seeing what my peers were doing as well. Um, I'm surrounded by some great speakers. And I think any speaker needs to have mentors, needs to have a group of conciliaries, if you want to call it that, people that you can lean on and trust. And these were some of my fellow speakers here in Utah started building their virtual studios as well. And I didn't want to be left behind. Yeah. So I have what is called FOMO, fear of missing out. So yeah. I was like, tell me who your guy is that got your virtual studio set up. So we set it up about three weeks into the pandemic and nice. I started just leaning it. But what was my success was doing events for free and just started learning on the job. And I mm -hmm. did free webinars and I worked with different communities. I worked with my uh, local speakers association, the National Speakers Association, and eventually turned into uh, paid events. And I'm still doing virtual game shows nice. and seeing from home as well. And it's, it, it was a shift, but it was something that accelerated my career because people weren't leaning into it. And so I think the most important thing as a speaker is to recognize change, learn how to innovate, and lean into it. If you see a need and if nobody is doing what you do, lean into it and go into it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Some great advice there. And I think one thing I just wanted to pick up on then is the fact that you, you, you there's change and you decided I'm going to do this for free to begin with because that's the best way to learn my craft is to do it for free. And I think a question on the back of that is if, if there are any aspiring speakers listening who haven't yet delivered a presentation and they want to get started how's the best way for them to kind of just just start speaking and where should they go what kind of presentation should they have like what, what would you suggest to them to do well, there's so many different ways for me i think the most important thing is finding somebody who's doing what you're doing and asking them for some advice find a mentor mm. yeah um it's easier when you have somebody who's in your own backyard community. Mm -hmm. uh, virtually, we can connect with people all over the world. But I think going and seeing others working on their craft and seeing how they do it and not just listening to the message, but watching how they use the stage, their stage craft and all that, I think that's really important as well. So looking into what others are doing. And so one, I, f I found a mentor. Two, I joined the National Speakers Association. Mm -hmm. There's speaker groups all over the place. There's also Toastmasters yeah. International. If you're not familiar with that, Toastmasters is a great way where you can even start working on your speeches and giving five-minute speeches in front of uh, your fellow Toastmasters. And getting feedback, yeah. And getting feedback. They also are very, um, I would say, they focus a lot on the speech skills as far as enunciation, dictation, and mm -hmm. filler words and things of that nature. But if you're looking to even start spreading your message, it's okay to do things for free. And when I look at free events, I look at as a showcasing opportunity. So if somebody asks you to come and speak to their group, ask them, is there a way for you to record this event? Get photos of me. Give me testimonials. Yeah. You can start doing these things and get those referrals and testimonials as well. Yeah, so it doesn't have to just be cash in the bank as a you know value add back to you for speaking. It could be, like you said, the credibility, the images, the referrals as well from those presentations. Um, so I guess somebody's now going to jump into this. Uh, they're going to start doing free talks. At some point, they're going to think, okay, I can get paid for this. Um, what, what does that transition 
look like as a speaker? Is, was there a point for you at which you thought, do you know what? I'm good. I'm good enough now. And I can start charging for what I do. Yeah, it really depends on who you're speaking to, what your market is, what your niche is. Because mm -hmm. I started speaking in the event industry. So I started speaking at DJ conferences. Yeah. And there was not money there to be no. had. It was more like speaking in front of your peers and things like that. So if, you ha if you're an expert with in a certain subject, if you want to be a motivational speaker, you got to find out who is paying for what you speak on. Yeah. And I think it's okay to start looking. There's If you even go into Google and just put in the term call for speakers, conferences are looking for speakers all the time for breakout sessions. Um, and start thinking about it in different ways. Breakout sessions are not the general sessions. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a keynote speaker, that's for the general sessions. But there's so many different niches that you can speak on, uh, speak within. But I think what works really well is starting to look for those opportunities. And if people keep bringing you back and you aren't charging a fee, you say, well, you know, that first one was free and mm -hmm. now I do charge this. My fee is X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and, and also find out what other people are charging mm -hmm. for the same things that you are wanting to do. Yeah, and, and say it with confidence, of course, as well. So Exactly. You mentioned the, the topic of niche, finding your audience, finding your key message, finding that one thing that you speak on. Now, you started speaking at DJ conferences, and now you're speaking big corporates, I, I assume. And I, I guess talk talk us through that, because I think the important thing for me there is that you don't have to nail your niche first time. Just start with a niche and then it may go off in different directions, I assume. Yeah, I've, I've spoken on many things. And that mm. the, the problem is, is I, I have a trusted friend who says, you might be confusing the market. And uh, when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's quite profound because you can't be a speaker for everybody and everything, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And he told me I need to start focusing on who I speak to and who I speak for and what I speak on. Mm -hmm. And so I do a variety of things. I, I speak on social media. I speak on leadership. I MC. I consider that part of speaking. I do game shows. I'm flying to Phoenix, Arizona today for a game show tomorrow. Right. I consider that speaking in front of an yeah. audience. So I do entertainment. And so when it comes to marketing my keynote, I need to get focused on who I speak to and who can most benefit from it yeah and so that's really important as well is getting that still focused so i haven't figured everything out i'm still within this process still trying yeah. to figure it out and i know what i love to do most which is emceeing conferences mm -hmm. and engaging an audience yeah perfect and and, and i guess the point on the point on that is it's okay to not have it all figured out yet and you know just enjoy the journey i guess and don't wait to find that perfect niche before you get started. Just start speaking, learn your craft, and then you'll you'll almost find your way naturally. And um, so, yeah, perfect, excellent. Well, thank you so much for, for everything so far. You've added so much value already. And my, I've got two questions. The first one might put you on the spot a little bit, which is, if there was one question I should have asked you today, what what would that question be, and and what would be your answer as well? Maybe the question is. I always like to ask people this question is what, what was maybe the biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Perfect. I think we can learn a lot from failure mm -hmm. and how did we, what did we learn from those moments? And 
I can think of multiple times. I'll, I'll just think of the one right off the top of my head. And it wasn't a big failure, but it was not trusting my gut. I remember I was emceeing an event and I had this whole bit planned out at the very end. And my gut was telling me, you know what? Skip it. Just move on. We're already over on time. Mm-hmm. Just end on a strong note. And I was like, no, but I prepared and I had this thing ready to go. Let's do it. And I did it and it bombed. Mm. And so bombing on stage is sometimes a good thing because you learn from those moments. And there have been a lot of times that I bombed and I often dwell on those moments, but those are the things that I've learned from the most is when I bombed and it's not a bad thing. I've still gotten hired, Mm -hmm. maybe not by the same group, but I've been able to take those lessons and learn maybe less is more instead Mm. of trying to cram everything in and make sure that I got it in. And that also brings me to another point is be prepared and know how long you're supposed to speak. I was speaking at a DJ conference and I went over time. Now I do place some of the blame on the organizer. They didn't give me an exact time, but Mm -hmm. but I looked down at my confidence monitor and I was out of time, but I still had 15 minutes to go in my keynote. So I kept going. Mm. And they were angry, but the audience loved it. They didn't know I went over time. So I think these things are really important is to learn from your mistakes, be prepared, talk to the people that hire you and know exactly what they want, what their vision is. Don't just go in and do your thing. Make sure that you are cognizant of your audience and even the people that hired you. Yeah, perfect. And, and I guess for the aspiring speaker, don't be afraid of these ha- things happening and these mistakes and these bombs, you know, look look forward to them happening because that'll be some of the biggest turning points in your in your career yeah perfect so rob and um, last question for me today is if anybody wants to book you as a speaker a a show host anything at all where, where's the best place for them to find you online they can go to robferre.com r-o-b-f-e-r-r-e.com and they can follow me on Instagram at Rob Frey. And um, also, I'll be releasing some videos on my YouTube channel about speaking and how to become a better MC. So those videos will be coming out in the near future. So you can always find me on YouTube as well. And my hope is to come back to the UK. I was recently earlier this year in uh, Sully Hill, mm-hmm. outside of Birmingham, right. for a DJ conference that I spoke at. And so um, I love to do international travel. And that's one of the, my favorite things about speaking is being able to travel and see the world awesome thank you so much so so rob just to say thank you so much again for your time today i'll put all of those show notes um all those links onto the show notes so people can click and find out more i really appreciate you sharing that story with us and again it was great to meet you 